If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Galatians chapter 4. I'd like to read some verses from Galatians chapter 4. And this is an opportunity um, for us this morning just to look at uh, adoption. Um, but actually, I'm going to look at another aspect which adoption will come into, which will be self-explanatory in a moment. But Galatians chapter 4, 1 to 7, is just a wonderful uh, description of somebody uh, like Cheryl. It's a description of somebody who's become a Christian. If you're a Christian here this morning, this ought to be describing something to do with your experience. And it says in verse 1, uh, Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. It's an interesting little uh, uh, help I found years ago and heard someone speaking on those two verses because they're a bit kind of strange. And he basically said, if you'd gone to visit a family and the kids were all playing um, in those days, particularly in the first century, the kids were all playing together in the, guard, in, in the garden and one of them was the son of the, of the father you'd gone to visit and the others were slaves and they were all playing together. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two. So I found that really helpful. When kids are slaves or their future heirs and they're mucking about playing soccer, then you wouldn't be able to tell which one was which. But one of them one day is going to be different because they're going to be no longer a slave and they're going to inherit... Um, all that the parents have when they pass on, the child suddenly becomes different. And that's actually describing you and me when we were slaves to sin and now actually, well, why am I telling you? Let's read the rest of the, of the verses. In the same way, <laughs> we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem. Say the word redeem. redeem. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I, I, I love this passage of scripture and it's quite typical of other sections of the New Testament which describes a process. And the wonderful thing about this process is it is available for all people. So if you're not a Christian here this morning and you're wondering or thinking about Jesus or looking into Christianity... When you finally become a Christian, that's not the end, it's only the beginning. And one of the reasons I would employ, employ people to, to implore people to really give their lives to Jesus is because it's not just about being saved from your sin, it's about an amazing transformation that then begins to take place. So if you go through and you track through these verses with me, you go like this, you go slave, redeemed, adopted, sons, and heirs of all the promises that God has for you. It's an amazing transformation. You're a slave one minute, 
And then suddenly, because of the love and mercy of God, he redeems you. And the, the only way he can redeem you is to adopt you, as we've been hearing this morning, how wonderful and central adoption is. When you become a child of God, you're adopted into his family. He becomes your father. You become his child. And then he no longer calls you a, a slave, but a son. When we use the word son, it can almost always be daughter as well. The Bible often uses sons, but it also means daughters, Okay. I'm a man and I'm part of the bride of Christ. I'm still trying to get over it. So just live with it, all right? It works both ways. And, uh, and then you become an heir, which means you become an heir of all the promises that God has got for you. And I just want to center in with adoption, but talk about redemption. Because Jesus is described as our redeemer. And it says there that the, this 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 child was born of this woman under the law to redeem those who are in slavery or under the law, to redeem people whose lives have been a mess and to turn those lives around and give them dignity and give them worth. And it's wonderful. Verse 4 describes this gospel to us that the first thing he does is to redeem us from our sin. How do I become a Christian? I become a Christian through believing what Jesus has done for me on the cross. That God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And he gave his only son to a terrible death. And in that death, his blood was shed. And his blood signifies forgiveness. And when I believe in him, Jesus, I'm forgiven from all my sins and I can now have a relationship with God. As it says there, I become a child and from within me it cries out, Abba, Father. For the first time in my life I've become a Christian. I know God and I know him as my Father. And it's an invitation to all of us this morning. Anyone who wants to know Jesus will find not only do they get to know Jesus, but their sins are forgiven, and then they have this relationship with God who is their father. But it's only the beginning. And if you've been coming week by week in the last few weeks and the next few weeks to come, you'll know that we've been looking at various men and women throughout the Bible who are actually mentioned in the lineage of Jesus, and we've entitled it The Scandal of Grace. And the reason it's a scandal of grace is that not one of those people uh, deserve to be there but the reason they're there is because of the grace of God it's not about how good you are it's about how wonderful he is and the grace of God not only has redeemed them from their sins but then has brought redemption to all of them so today is a one-off sermon in the middle of the series we get back next week but when I was listening last week and the week before I just couldn't take myself out of the series I'm kind of stuck there for the rest of my life in this zone of scandal of grace and the reason is because I just got overwhelmed when I was listening to all these preaching and week by week. But the fact that God's power and ability is not only that he saves people, but he then gives them a completely new identity. And then he completely turns around their impossible situations, their disastrous situations. I've only got one word this morning, one message, and that is this. You can be redeemed from your sins, but the one who redeems you from your sin has a plan. And the plan is redemption for every part of your life. So that being, becoming a Christian, having your sins forgiven, is just the door that opens for his intent 
to redeem every part of you. Whatever your background is, and particularly when we looked at Ruth and Boaz two weeks ago, and I was making lots of notes, and I thought, ooh, I've got a sermon coming out of these notes. And it was this. Boaz, who's actually called the Redeemer Kingsman, because he was related to her and was going to redeem her. It was a disastrous situation. Nothing had gone right for her. She was a refugee in abject poverty with no one to protect her or look after her. Her husband had died. I mean, it was just one category after her. No children. It was poverty, poverty, poverty written all over it. Then one day God intervenes. And it wasn't that, you know, as James said when he preached it, it was happily ever after and it's all a fairy story. She then gets a husband. It's that there was redemption as God turned this disastrous, impossible situation completely around so that if you'd met Ruth in a few years' time, she would have been unrecognisable to the person that she was. And her circumstances and situations had changed amazingly. Now, Christians still have problems in their lives. Christians still go through hard, difficult times, perplexing times, things that we don't understand. But the point is this, that when we get redeemed from from sin and its hold over us it's so exciting because if God can deal with the problem of sin he can deal with every other problem in our lives and therefore transform us and make us totally different people our destinies change forever so I looked up the word redemption because it's a long word and some of us might not understand it and it says this basically these are all that I'm pulling together all the different people that said it's about winning back lost ground it's about clearing a debt that no one could pay words like retrieved recover rescue return to repossess I thought that's a wonderful phrase often referring to someone's past and this is what I want you just to bear with me for a few moments referring to your past or someone's past Often the word redemption is like this, used like this. They were beyond redemption. They were so messed up and it was such a mess. They were beyond redemption. If there's one thing about the Christian message, the gospel, what we're looking at this morning, is that no one is beyond redemption when it comes to Jesus. I even saw a children's definition of redemption referring to their bedroom. It was this, the messy job was beyond redemption. (laughs) And even though it's a stupid little phrase, I thought, I can't think of anything better to describe the messed up lives that some of us have had and the fact that we can have that messed up job redeemed. And so my story, which is that Jesus comes into my life and changes me and gives me freedom then becomes his story because it's not just about him redeeming my life it's about me him turning me around to live the life that I should have been living in the first place and his story includes total transformation so listen carefully there is nothing that you have done in your past that cannot be redeemed. And there's nothing that anyone else, however unjust, has done to you 
that cannot now be redeemed by the love of God. There is nothing too great in your past. There is nothing too lost that cannot be found. There is nothing too messed up that cannot be turned around. As I said before, if he can deal with your sin, then surely he can deal with all things. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He can just roll back the years and redeem everything. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I love this phrase, for God is at work within you. What's he doing? He's healing you. He's restoring you. Every time you say, but Lord, what about that thing in my past? Redemption reminds me that there is nothing too great for him. In fact, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I love this passage. Psalm 103 is a favorite passage for many people. And it's this wonderful phrase, who redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life. Doesn't just save your sin or bring you physical healing, which is great, or emotional healing or mental healing, because he can do all those things. But he can redeem your very life from the pit. And all things means all things. So as I look around this room this morning, I won't embarrass anybody, but I can see person after person, and I know many of your stories for many years. And your story is that you got saved. You got baptized like Cheryl did this morning. But actually your story is also a continual work of God. Salvation, restoring everything. Some of you are almost unrecognizable to the person that you were X amount of years ago. And you're still being changed. And you know what? I I just thought that word, the first word we heard in the worship this morning helped me so much. That, that, that. It's almost like I am being redeemed, but don't look too close. Because there's still stuff there. But every time I look at the one who is perfect, the only one, it reminds me, oh, he can change this and this and that. Because the Bible says, whether Helen knew it or not, we are being changed to become like him. And one day we will be like him, perfect. And he is now at work in us. You say to me this morning, but you should see what I've done. That's the point. He saw it all. I've got stuff. You know, it's amazing. While we've been doing this series, people have been getting more and more honest and authentic. People have come and been prayed for and been spoken to through the week and said, I have never told anyone this that has happened in my life. And they've told someone. And we've prayed and set them free and see them come on this journey. The amazing thing about the grace of God, they didn't have to tell him. He already knew. And he saved you. His grace was upon you. He redeems us. You say, well, we're talking about adoption this morning. We're saying, well, how messed up my family's been. My family's just a messed up family and... Our relationships are all over the place. Can God really redeem my family? Can he redeem all my relationships? God is in the business of family turnarounds. He's in the business. It's what he does for a living. He takes families like we're seeing week by week in the scandal of grace. Not just one individual, but entire families. 
who are all messed up. And he turns them around, gives you faith for your mums and dads who are not Christians, for your aunts and uncles, for if God has broken into your family and saved you and you're the only one, do you know his, his aim is to save your family and restore relationships and build things right back together? And even as I'm saying it, some of you are sitting there saying, but David, you don't know my family, and I don't. But I do know a God who does know your family can turn it all around. Why? Why am I redeemed? Why am I living in redemption? The answer is the grace and mercy of God. How am I going to be redeemed? Well, the following. By understanding that you now have a new identity in Christ. You're no longer a slave. But you're a son or a daughter. And you're an heir. And all the promises of God that he has made to you are yours and available. You are changed in the very essence of your being. By the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. How how would this process of redemption happen? Well, I'm a new creation And then the Spirit of God comes in you. And if you live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, he will continue to do a work in you to transform you from where you are to where you will be. Through the renewing of your mind, the Bible says. How will I be transformed? How will I be redeemed? Your your mind needs to be redeemed. And that happens by you having God's thoughts in your mind. And it's a process, a gradual process of general renewal. How do I get redeemed? By truth flooding your life. Truth that sets you free, even from memories of things that happened in the past. How do I get redeemed? Through the victory that Jesus has won and defeated the enemy. Won't you allow this redeeming God, this redeemer, to permeate every part of your life the Christian life is very much about saying Lord please come again please come again yes I've just had this other issue just raised up I didn't know it was there you can come to that too this relationship I never really thought you could redeem that I now believe you can redeem it one after another it's a continued story of allowing God to redeem us the mess the confusion all those things in our life that he can turn around and I've got a word for church kids who always switch off and say I didn't mess up very much oh it's quite a good guy and I got became Christian when I was five and I've been raised in church and blah 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 you're a mess <laughs> you can't just sit there of the drug addicts they're the ones aren't they they're the ones that need to be redeemed if you were brought in, up in a Christian home and you're still here today and you're a child of God it's a miracle And it's a miracle. And how do I know you were a mess? Because the Bible says you were dead in your sins. Being born into a Christian home makes no difference whatsoever. But it's a redemption and the mercy of God. And we all need redeeming. And we all need the help and power of God. My final point is this. Verse 5. Can we go back there? To redeem those who were under the law. so 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 those who were under law so that they might receive adoption as sons. 
One of the most amazing things about redemption is adoption. I don't know if this occurred to you, but adoption is a great picture of redemption. When you get adopted, a friend of mine said one of the most moving moments of his life was in the court one day when the judge with the certificate signed said, you are now called this. And so you get a new name. And you get a new identity. You even have a new legal status. You have new parents. Adoption is about orphans going through a process, as we've been talking about in Galatians 4, and ending up being a member of a family. Orphans that never thought they would have a mum and dad, who now have got a mum and dad. There's an organisation called uh, Care for Children, and it's fundamentally based in China. A friend of ours one day felt God told him to go leave Guernsey and go to China and help with children in orphanages to put them into families. And when he got there, this is what he found out. The orphanages in China, which were many, with multitude millions of children, were actually quite good. They kind of were well-run, well-organised, clean. The kids seemed to be kind of fundamentally quite happy. And he was thrown because he thought, oh my goodness, you know, the orphan thing in China seems to be really quite good. Maybe we should kind of just leave them there. And the kind of stuff we're talking about this morning kept coming to him again and again. Yeah, but it'd be better to be in families. It'd be better to have mums and dads. Because although you might be in a brilliant orphanage, it's not as good as being in a family. And so he set out on a course with the Chinese government as a Christian to see things change. And to date, 400,000 children have been taken out of orphanages and placed into families. Their goal is 3 million right now. And it's a remarkable restoration and a story of redemption as children are taken from a fairly good existence. And we know that many of them are not in good, it's not a good existence for many. But even for those who are put into families, Psalm 68 says this, God is a father to the fatherless. And I love this phrase, and he sets the lonely in families. When you become a Christian and you are redeemed, God becomes your father. You are adopted into his family. And this is a test case of redemption. Some of you sitting there thinking, well, I'm not sure I need all this redemption stuff. Here's a little test case for you. You might have had a dad who was distant, a dad who was absent. You might have had the kind of father who was, who was kind of around, but he wasn't much involved. Or you might have had no father can't remember my father they call this the fatherless generation it's like well I had a mum my dad lived somewhere else or I never I never knew him or maybe you had an overbearing father an aggressive father an abusive father maybe you had a very quiet diminished father often because you have an overbearing mother to go with it but there we go it's just what happens men go quiet even if you had a good father, and your memories are, he was a good father to me, all of those different scenarios I've just described, we all need redemption because there's only one perfect father. And when we mention father, what does that do for you? What does it remind you of? Have you lined up yet with God as your perfect father? Because that's redemption for all of us. 
However your fathering was in the past, existent or non-existent, you now have a heavenly father. Redemption is bringing you and me as adopted children into a full knowledge of the father, whatever our backgrounds. We all get to know God as father. You can look happy about this. It's just wonderful. And by knowing and living in the good of that relationship with your heavenly father, your life will be restored. And God willing, in this church, you can see models, imperfect, but at least models, of how to father children. And guess what? If you become a father, you can get to start it all over again. And you can become a better father because you're living with your heavenly father as he leads you.